Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. I can't tell our listeners how many times I said, I'm lucky I had my own line of credits in place over those 25 years to save my butt. And I can't tell you how difficult it is to get a line of credit in place through a bank. You just don't know how challenging it is until you actually go and try. Um, they want collateral, so and so forth, and it's it's a challenge. And so that's what my company does. Um, uh, over the last 12 years, we've been, been one of the leading providers of lines of credit to small businesses and nonprofits throughout the United States. Um, our line of credit program is easy to get in place and expensive when used and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com, or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. And just remember the time to apply for a line of credit is when you don't need it. So when you do need it, it's there and ready to go. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Raquel Branke. Uh, Raquel uh, is a multifaceted entrepreneur, a lawyer, and a Team USA triathlete. Aside from her extensive career, uh, Rachel is a military spouse and a mother of five. As an entrepreneur, Rachel created uh, Branke uh, Brands, which includes Fit Legally, the Law Tog, and Rachel Branke, I guess uh, her branding. She is also the author of several books, hosted the Real Biz podcast, and founded a boutique niche law firm. Uh, uh, Raquel really doesn't uh, has so much free time that she can do like anything she wants from that profile. I can see she's got a lot of free time. So, uh, uh, uh Rachel, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, you know, your profile, uh, it's interesting. You know, I, I do a lot of podcasts, meet a lot of people. There's not a lot of people who have um, a profile that's as, uh, oh, what's the right word? Uh, as many stuff as you do, but it's very similar to mine. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like, you know, people are like, like, what's, what's the number one question when someone reads that profile of yours? What, what do they usually say? How do you do it all? How do you do it all? Right. That's <laughs> yeah. what they say to me. Oh, yeah. I built six companies. I, you know, I, yeah. I, um, I, I'm a competitive rower. I was a ranked tennis player. Um, uh, you know, you know, I'm not pumping myself up, but you know, I'm just making a point here that, you know, mm -hmm. we get a lot done, don't we? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the big thing is, and I'm sure that you agree with this, is I didn't do all that in one day, one year. We're looking at almost 20 years worth of work. And, you know, even before we got on the podcast, there's stuff that I've done that we didn't even mention in the bio, you know, built and sold off different businesses. Yep. I've also had failed businesses too. I mean, we all have our projects. And so, yeah, I just think it's important to understand if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't relate to Rachel and Steven. This is years, decades worth of building and finally getting down to really what I want to do. And I love it. I, yeah. I absolutely enjoy it. Yeah. And we had a conversation before we got online uh, uh, or on the podcast. And, you know, honestly, uh, when I see stuff like this too, uh, I, my, my, uh, bullshit radar goes up, right? <laughs> it goes up. And, and a lot of times when I dig into people, uh, you know, yours is a little bit different, honestly, but when I dig into people who have done all this, you know, they're like, I was like, okay, what's the size of the company? Oh, it was a hundred thousand dollars in revenue a year. You know, I was like, it wasn't really that much. Whereas when we had the conversation, mm -hmm. I knew, oh, you know, as soon as you start saying, oh, I sold this off and, you know, and we were talking a little bit, I was like, oh, this is the, yeah. the, real, the real McCoy here. And I love that. I love that mm -hmm. because, you know, one of the things about this podcast, and I know you do your own podcast too, is, you know, the, the number one way to learn is from people who have done it before. Yes. Right. 
And so once you find out that someone's done it before and they've done it at scale, you you better pick their brain. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, because they it's completely different from uh, from reading about it mm-hmm. than it is from actually doing it. Well, and I think I'm jumping the gun on the topic here a little bit, but I think that you just hit really where I was coming from when we were brainstorming what we were going to talk about today is how do I get from this place to that place? I see that Steven and Rachel are doing X or whoever else, depending on what industry you're in. And it's how do I get from here to there? Like you see it. It's almost like you've got this big uh, divide, the Grand Canyon between. You feel like you can't cross it, but obviously other people have made it from this side to that side. So you're in this quandary of, I want to do this. I want to pack my pack. I want to get my shoes on to hike through it. Very obviously fitness-based. I love um, physical activity. So it's always a lot of my metaphors and examples, but really just visualizing. And I remember being there. And it's funny you say the 100K thing, because I almost had a visceral reaction just now. And I was like, I wouldn't even entertain doing a business that would bring, quote unquote, only 100K. But then I also put myself in check for a second and went, but I was in that place once where I was so thrilled to have a 100K year, you know? Like, so don't forget where you've come from, you know, when you're standing on this side, once you get to the other. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, you know, listen, I'm humble enough to, uh, you know, just remember those days and the lessons that you learn that, that goes on, you know, um, they'll listen, like, uh, not to, to belabor the point. I, I've had six companies that have all been successful, but I've closed uh, three of them. Mm-hmm. All right. And now, now what's the definition to me of success? It means companies that make money that allow you to have the quality of life that you want. And I had a number of, a lot of years where those companies did really well, but they just ran their course. Yeah. And, and then I had to move on to something else. Or your so, life changes, right? Your life circumstances changes. Cause like for me, when I really was getting into the throes of business initially, I only had one or two kids, you know, we have five now and they were very young. So it was a lot easier than now I've got one getting ready to go off to military. And so it's just a different life stage. And I've purposely made the choice to focus my efforts in certain areas that have a bigger return, not just monetarily, but um, that provide like what you just said, the flexibility of life, being able to train and compete, be with family but also being able to employ individuals. Like that was huge for me during pandemic that we were not only hiring, we were doing raises, bonuses while so many others were laying off. And it just felt kind of good, you know, seeing all that in the last few years. And that just kind of solidified exactly what you were saying, you know, the circumstances and like where you're at, that solidified that choice of quote unquote, scaling down a bit. I know it may not sound like scaling down to many who are listening, uh, but it was scaling down. I had gotten rid of a few different endeavors to be able to focus efforts. Yeah. So, um, so let's go into our topic today. Um, you know, there's really a lot that we could talk about what we yeah. just talked about, but um, you know, uh, today's topic is the keys to revenue growth and getting over that hump, getting mm-hmm. whatever your hump, because, you know, I think anybody who's run a business knows that at every different revenue uh, target, so to speak, um, there, there, the your skill set as an entrepreneur changes, and oh, you sure. need different things, mm-hmm. and um, and there's always a new new challenge that that comes at different revenue growth. So, so you know, from your experience, um, what where is the first hump? I mean, we you kind of just hit on it. If you're not even to that 100K mark, that feels like one of the biggest humps. And so looking at those first beginning in the journey, and I know many of you are way beyond that, but I want you to reflect a bit, just like we kind of did, to how you felt then. That was the first big hump. The next, I feel like coming from 100K revenue to a mill is the next one. And then we're kind of looking, you know, we can hover between one to three mil a year, and then it's getting to the 10, 15, 20. So those are kind of the way I visualize it. I mean, I'm not going to put all of you guys in an individualized bucket, but I have found in my growth and from working with other business owners, no matter what industry you're in, I don't know if it, I haven't done the research on this. So I don't know if it's a psychological aspect of those numbers. Um, maybe it's conditioned by society. I don't, I don't know. I just know personally, I have also felt that as you just saw with the reflection, you know, we were talking about 100K. I've been thinking about this for the last few years and how grateful I am, but I do go back and I just think of 
it's like a boulder. I almost think of like the Indiana Jones boulder, right? When you first get started, it's massive and you're like using all your weight and you just mentioned skill set, right? It changes at every level. Once that boulder gets going, you just need little pushes. But once you go from like that 100K hump to like the one mil hump to the 10 mil, you're gone, that boulder's going to get heavier, right? You may have acquired and gotten really um, strong in certain skills, but now you need to adapt to newer skills. It's new terrain that you're pushing this boulder on. And so it slows a bit, right? It's easier to 10x in the beginning than it is when you get to one of these other levels, right? And so for me, I just, and you really kind of already gave it away, it's that would be my first tip on if you're at any one of these humps is to say, okay, what are the skills that I've acquired? Like, what are the strengths that I've really capitalized upon? But this is a perfect opportunity to really start looking at weaknesses, weaknesses in you, weaknesses in your team, weaknesses in your offerings. And I feel like oftentimes entrepreneurs that stall at these different junctures are just trying to put their head down, you know, nose to the grindstone, get work done. They're not pausing for a second to look up and do this evaluation. And it's the whole work smarter, not harder type of mindset. But when you get to these level, you feel like, oh, well, I've already accomplished 1 million. I just need to work harder when actually being more strategic and effective is what's going to have a faster trajectory to the next. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't say it more. I, mean, I feel like I'm talking a, into a mirror right now uh, you know, <laughs> of, of something. I think, you know, it, it shows that we both have some experience in this. But, um, you know, it's what's really interesting is when I started and maybe you saw this, too. Um, when I started my my fifth company and the fifth company, sixth company I, I, I had was with a business partner, which before I didn't have a business partner. Mm-hmm. And it's been an incredible I'm so thankful. Uh, I was going to say that could have its own host of issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it was so scared. I was so yeah. scared, but you know, he and I knew each other in business uh, outside of you know he yeah. had his own business. So we knew each other for 17 years before we, and then we collaborated uh, in angel funding deals that looking together for three years, and then and then we and then after that we saw how well we got a, along, yeah. and our 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 skill sets were uh, were very. Um, complimentary mm-hmm. um that we just started looking for biz- a business to start together and and it, boy it, it's worked great um but my it was so interesting we, we both had a lot of experience building businesses and so when we started our fifth business which was financing solutions mm-hmm. um uh we it was like we knew exactly everything that we needed to do within the first month or two. All right, we need accounting software. All right, we need, uh, uh, you know, we need the payroll processing. We need, uh, you know, these are the type of people that we were probably going to need. We, this is our CRM system we're going to use for software. We knew everything. And, you know, and both the fifth company and the sixth company we started, we got to revenue like, Boom. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was like like the sixth company, we went from uh zero to five million in one year. You know, it just like boom. And it was only because we knew exactly what we mm-hmm. needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you first start off, you know, mm-hmm. you are like my first company was, you know, 25, uh, 27 years ago, got to two hundred thousand dollars in revenue. I mean, my gross profit was huge, but, uh, you know, and, but, um, it was, uh, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Right. You know, and so on and so forth. So well, it sucks up your capacity for getting into strategy because your head's down working in the beginning, right? And you kind of have an element of that every single time. But like you just mentioned, you already kind of instinctively know, I and mean, you're able to quickly just bump out the key things that need done at this level. Whereas 20 years ago, it would have taken you months of learning trial and error. Now you're able to speed through trial and error a lot quicker and make more solid decisions. And it frees you up, not just physically, not just financially but mentally to have that acuity to make other decisions in order to help. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think that's one of the things that came up while you were talking is something that I've done is, and what I, if you look at what I have now, I'm in silos. I almost do the exact same thing in every single industry that I'm in. That was one of those simplicity moves that I made. But so we have almost the exact same system, same content, same product, same services. They're just branded differently. And, but it's, it's the same even when you're across different industries, just like you mentioned, you knew boom right away what you needed. And I love that. And I think that 
Um, that's why, you know, going back to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast, so many people say, how do you do what you do? How do you do it all? It's because we've gotten the experience. We're able to make those quick decisions. We're not having to spend as much time as we invested in the first, second, third or business, fourth business in the beginning. Yeah. And that brings up a good point too. I think that, you know, the, I was, I was going to say to you, what do you, what do you remember about, and, and you know, you're still building businesses, so you see it, but you know, when you're going from a hundred thousand year in revenue to a million dollars in revenue, and maybe even to three million, I mean, I, I sh- I'm sure you would agree that the one of the number one things, like uh, there's a famous guy by the name of Michael Gerber, right? He, he wrote the E Myth, uh, which is one of the top business books for a long time. And you know, he I, he says you 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 need to work on your business, not in your business, mm-hmm. right? And and would you agree? That you know, when you're going from a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and again, this depends on your product, oh, right? For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're going from a hundred thousand to three million, when you get to the three million, when you get through that phase, you are learning that you can't do it all, mm-hmm. right? And so speak to that. Well, I think even those that are in the 100K, 200K mark, so you're in your first you know, bit of business and you're trying to get to that 1 million hump, I think they learn that quicker too, that you can't do everything. I mean, you could, if you absolutely had to get so lean, right? Like if you absolutely needed to, you could do it. But for trajectory growth, the reality is you have to, you have to have help. You have to have um, something to sustain. In fact, I have a real life example for this. It's not to your point, but just recently, like going in into Christmas, I had had surgery, got COVID, then it was Christmas, and then we had no power all last week. So I effectively haven't really been in my businesses for a month, month and a half. We haven't seen a drop in anything. Why? Because it's not all dependent upon me. And I had actually put those supports in place because back when I first started entrepreneurship, I had cancer. So I knew very early on that I, you know, I was in the hospital getting my cancer treatments and surgeries and this is before iPhones. <laughs> I'm trying to like write on my old little phone texting to my clients. And I was like, that's not the type of business that I want. But to your point, I think that is what's so important going back to the working on and not in is that, and I can think of key times in my businesses. And I still, you know, we're, Steve and I aren't sitting in our ivory tower telling you guys that we're perfect all the time in this. I definitely, I can't speak for him. I definitely have to force myself to make sure that I don't keep my head down and just work in. I have to stop, look up, look at life circumstances, look what's going on, look at my business and work on it. And for me, I'm very regimented and structured. And I think athletes, you know, have a tendency to be that way. I schedule it. So I have, I have solo strategy meetings with myself every week. And I'll tell you, when I was feeling the slow trajectory, the slowing trajectory from the beginning in that first little phase between 100K to my first million, I was like, what's going on? I just got to work harder. And then I got burnout. So I kind of got forced to slow down. Once I slowed down and got strategic and worked on it instead of in it, that's when that trajectory went back up, you know? And so for me, that's probably, it sounds so simplistic. And there's a lot of factors to it, I think, once you get down to doing it. But at whatever level, you know, we've talked about these different junctures, the 100K, the 1 million, the 5 million, the 10 million. It really is making sure that you're working on and not in and really getting strategic. I think that is so strategy and being strategic is one thing I feel like is really missing in a lot of the content that we see online these days for business owners because B2B especially blew up during pandemic. And it's all about quick hack this, you know, work hard on that, use this automated system. That's great. But you have to have the strategy, the strategic reasons behind it. Once you do that and you commit to it at whatever juncture you're at, that's where I found a better quality of life, better quality of leadership for my team, and then the quicker trajectory and revenue growth. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I uh, I think a lot of people are writing those articles are not business owners, to be quite honest. They're writing from not from experience. Um, for sure. And, but I, I tell you what are the things like, uh, like, I don't know if you belong to the, I mean, I can't believe everything you're doing that you could, but, um, the entrepreneur organization, uh, is where, you know, I really, I've been involved in that organization for a very long period of time to, mm-hmm. uh, so they put you in a, you know, one, it's it, the organization, um, 
put you in with a group of other business owners and my group's been together. The nine guys have been together for over 20 years. That's phenomenal. And so, you know, it's been amazing to watch everybody's career path and their companies and either they sold them or they closed them and they started another and they go, maybe they go to work for somebody for a while and they come, you know, and then they, it's just been fascinating. But what, what's amazes me is that how many people don't take time, even yeah. in my own group. And I used to, I still do it. I love it. Like on a Friday, I will get away from my computer, grab a cup of coffee and, and, and I'll say this, the worst word to that 95% of people don't like, I'll look at my business plan. Mm -hmm. All right. Now my business plan is only one page long Mm -hmm. by design. And on my business plan, I have Everything like that. Um, what's my what's my goals? What's my strategy? Um, what 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 are the key things I'm working on? But my this is my point. My point of taking that hour hour and a half every week, getting out of the day to day. Yes. It. I, I can't think of a better use of your time. Yes. Right? Getting what do you out think? of your echo chambers, getting out of social media, getting out of looking at competitors. I mean, I'm sitting here looking. I will sit down with a big 3M paper and just those big tablets that you can rip off and just write and rewrite and rewrite for an hour or a couple of days a week. Um, it's depending on how busy I am. But same thing. Like it's people, it's so simplistic, right? And if I can just print a book and have one page that says, weekly strategy meeting for one hour with yourself. Yeah. That would be the whole thing. Well, I schedule it like you do. Like uh, we're both athletic. So we, you know, we have a lot going on between businesses, athletic kids, yeah. you know, life and all that stuff. So I schedule it. I put it right on my, I block out time. Same. You know, and I, I really look forward to it because I like, you know, getting out of my office and kind of going there. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, things have changed a little bit with COVID, but, um, but you know, it's, it's funny going back to your saying, uh, so financing solutions, by design does not have a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so much uh, of like, I feel like I break a lot of rules mm-hmm. <laughs> with financing solutions and I'm just, I'm getting, I'm like for so long, I've been like doing some things too much myself. Mm-hmm. And so that was my new year's resolution to, uh, delegate out outsourcing to other people outside the company, uh, mm-hmm. more contractors and stuff like that. Because I knew I was like, Oh my God, I keep, I'm like working in the business constantly, Yeah. but we just didn't want a ton of employees with this company. And for a $25 million company, you know, we only have a couple of employees and you know, the, it's, it's by design because we just don't want a lot of hassles. We're not alone in that. You know, that was kind of one of the strategy plays that I made specifically with the law firm, even before pandemic, just with life circumstances and managing people. We had this whole network of attorneys across the US, you know, be a military spouse. I know someone everywhere at the online brand, all that thing. So I was like, I got to serve all the peoples, right? I got, we got to have the capacity. And then I had some life situations happen. And I just told the team, my integral internal team, and I just said, you know what? I love the attorneys that have worked with us. I love being able to offer these services. I just want a slight pivot instead of the breadth. I want depth. And so we were, it was great. It was perfect timing because this was like three months before the world shut down. And we actually had an influx of people being in the legal field, you know, contracts and all that hubbaloo that happened with shutdowns and everything. Uh, So it was nice having that intuition, uh, being able to do that. But I love having a more simplistic, it's funny you bring that up because I was just thinking that yesterday putting around the house. And I was thinking, do people think less of me now, now that I don't have 50, 60 attorneys working for me? They look at the website. I'm the primary face. Are they going to think, oh, she's just just some solo practitioner attorney, which we still have contract attorneys on certain cases. But I was like, what does that say to people? But then I realized I have such brand power that kind of evens it out that I, you know, but it did make me stop and kind of go, 
is this going to hurt me in the long run? Well, it's been two years of it and we've only been on the upswing. And so again, I think there's something to be said about simplicity. And to your point, I mean, you pull, y'all need to rewind the last 10 minutes. Like just what Stephen was saying is really all the tips that I would give of trying to get over these humps, the strategy aspect, getting simplistic and just your workings. You know, one of the things that when business owners come to me and they're like, I'm stalled. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not one of those that's like quick, oh, we got to outsource. We got to do this. I'm like, let's look internally first before we make big, any big organizational changes. Oftentimes it's fine tuning in their offerings. Um, they're trying to offer too much and they haven't done effective penetration into market. You know, they're trying to be the jack of all trades, master of none. And I felt that I took my own advice, I think, with that, right? I always try to sit back and go, what would I tell myself? Which is a little harder, right? To get out of the weeds when you're sitting in them. But the same thing with, I just was really tired of managing so many people, wonderful attorneys. And then again, we've seen trajectory growth from simplifying. And I, I, I've kind of coined the phrase, I'm probably not the first, but simplify down to scale up. And I, it's so Actually, in that line, I need to do a bit more research on this. I've been wondering what Apple has been up to because you notice they started coming out with this breadth of products. They've also they've now started phasing out some of their products. So it makes me wonder: Did they start seeing something? You know, what is the inner workings that makes them want to scale back down in their offerings? And that applies to any industry. Yeah, I um, I had something exactly similar to you. Like uh, I would say, 15, 17, uh, even years ago. I thought my, like I equated my success based on how many people I had working for me. Yeah. So at the time I had a, I, I, I had hit the hundred employee with one company, a hundred employees. Oof. And I, and I was like, wow, uh, you know, I'm, you know, this is, you know, people are going to look at me now and say, wow, he's got to have a hundred employees. And then I have right now, we have uh, like five people working in financing solutions, but then we outsource quite a bit of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so people will say to me, so how big is your company? How many employees do you have working for you? And I'll say, well, we have five. And they're like, they, they don't, but you know what? I really don't care what they think because <laughs> it's the revenue. Yeah. It's the, the bottom line. It's the profit. Forget about revenue. Again, we're talking about revenue and that's another mistake. You know, you don't focus on the revenue. You focus on the profit, right? I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we, in the financing industry, you know, it's quite a bit different having a $25 million financing company than it is having a $25 million, um, trying something, something with a high profit margin, but, um, it, whatever, so, you know, something else that's got a high profit margin and, you know, maybe you're at 10 million, you know, again, like, I had a company that was 5 million, um, but it didn't make as, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait, I had a company that was 10 million, but didn't make as much money as the $5 million company did. So, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because this has been a topic of conversation. I've even been talking about this with my audience on social media of like, do you like when people share about their revenue levels? And for me, it was like, yeah, because I'm trying to find people that are stuck at 100K or 1 mil and want to get to the next. But it really isn't so much about revenue, it's profit. I've had clients come to me for help and they're like, well, I'm making, you know, my revenue is 1.52 million a year, but I'm bringing home less than 50,000 into my own pocket because they're spending so yeah. much on Facebook ads. I I mean, and these aren't physical products, so they're not having to worry about cogs and all of that. It's digital type products. It's educational based. So your profit margin should be out of this world. I mean, we still have the normal like legal systems and all that sort of stuff and salaries. But if you're bringing home less than you'd make going down to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or something like that, there is a problem in your business. So for me, you can tell I'm kind of getting worked up about this because I feel like this is a huge thing that we're seeing. You hop on any podcast, any social media right now. People are, and, and I kind of raise my hand. I've added to the noise of it. Uh, you know, I'm at one mil, I'm at 10 mil. I want to know what your profit margin is. I want to know how lean, and we talked about the e-myth and there's the lean startup. I want to know how lean you are. And it's funny, I even say this, my, um, my uh, operations manager will probably listen to this later. She's the queen of lean, right? I, me, I'm willing to spend more. And she's like, nope, can't have that, can't do this. So if you're not someone who feel like you can scale things back, get someone in your business that has ownership, maybe not legally, but has ownership in their job and it is committed to keeping you lean, especially if you're in the first few years. It's amazing what you could do if you're if you're at one of these junctures that we've talked about. 
100K, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million, you're trying to get to the next. And you're like, I've tried the strategy, I've tried all this. Get lean. Get lean in the offerings that you have. Get lean in the amount of money that you're expending because that's free money right there if you can cut out some things. I always try to look at that and go, what are the bare bones that we could keep running this with? Because that's an automatic profit margin increase right there. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a lot to say in that too. That's really so, such great points. I, uh, the one thing like, as I, uh, build, like when I'm more experienced now building companies, you know, we don't just throw money like I did when I was younger at building a company. What we do is we work on the model Yeah, and we keep working on the model until we know the model really works. Now you have to spend some money oh, for sure. to try a whole bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when I talk about model, like 90% of my job is in, uh, uh, uh marketing. So mm -hmm. I'm the marketing guy. My business partner is the uh, more of the operations guy. And, um, and so, and, and then I, the, the other business I have, uh, the sixth uh, business, it's an amazing business where we have people running it and I am not involved one iota and it's a $25 million company and it takes none of my time. It's That's like nice. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, my business partner works a little more in that business than I do, but um, he, he, he likes doing it and uh, it's great. Um, but the, the first thing is um, that, yeah. Uh, so what we were, we were talking about, I just lost my train of thought. Profit margin. I mean, profit margin, it, yeah. right? So the first thing is get your model, keep working on it. So again, for, for a lot about getting the model right, uh, depending on your industry is the lead generation, you know, getting <clears throat> the right type of prospects who convert to clients that mm -hmm. really pay you, uh, good money. So you make money. So, you know, we are very, we're not just going to throw money nilly willy around if we don't have that model down. Number one, this, the second thing is, is that, um, uh, we, we really run a, uh, a lean organization. Um, and, uh, and so I agree with you, like we don't just throw money around, but the, the fact of the matter is, is when you're making a lot of money, in net profit. And then here's the golden rule. In general, your business should be making 10% of net profit. I'm sorry, of profit. Mm -hmm. That's your, your profit. So if you have a, you know, $25 million company, you should be bringing home $2.5 million. That's mm -hmm. now depends on your margins and stuff like that, but that's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but when you're going from $100,000 in revenue to 1 million to 5 million, there are definitely times when you have to say, I'm going to take a hit on mm -hmm. the net profit because mm -hmm. I'm making this investment, bring on this employee and or whatever. How do you make that decision in those strategic meetings weekly and leaning into a lot of what we've talked about? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, um, you know, I think having your model down is really, really important. Now, now, when do people, you know, I, number one, I don't. People who are thinking of starting a business or they ask me questions, this isn't made for this podcast is not really made for them. But what I say to them is you better have a three to five year runway where you're not oh, going to make any money. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the time when someone starts pulling money out of the business is often because they, they start needing it too. Uh -huh. Right. You know, you're like, Hey, you know, let's been three years and you know, my, my significant other is kind of carrying us. Um, I need to start kind of, and then you start making enough money where you can take out 50,000, a hundred thousand, and you know, you know, you know, so, uh, would you, would you kind of agree with that? Yeah. When you were talking, I just thought back to when I first started out, uh, husband was active duty making basically pennies. It felt like at the time. And I remember I waited tables in the evenings. So I was still going to school. I um, was able to do that online. So I could be home with our son in the day. And I just remember we didn't have two nickels rubbed together, barely paycheck to paycheck, but it got to a point that I needed to really start bringing the money in. And that's something I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about working in versus on your business. A lot of it's fear-based, especially if you're coming from a financial fear base. Like if your family needs the money, sometimes you're willing to spend more money because it's the whole adage of spend money to make money, you know, but it's really got to scale yourself back and learn from those who've done it. Get onto podcasts like this, get into organizations like EO and see what you can do. But it, it really is, I think, I think the thing with business 
for so long, there has been this battle cry of hustle culture of like work harder, work harder. And you really don't, I mean, I'm not saying you're not gonna have to pay your dues at every juncture. We've talked about, you're going to have blood, sweat, and tears. That boulder we talked about, you're going to have to get a little bit more strength, get a little bit more savvy to get it going at that next level. But it's not brute force strength. That's not what business is. You know, it really is being strategic. And yeah, so I just, it's funny. I just had that flashback while you're talking because I was like, I remember being at that place that we financially needed the money. And I attribute a lot of the early years of absolutely needing that and having the restrictions that I had to why I had such a quick trajectory because I needed to get something into the marketplace. I needed to be able to be turning a profit. I needed a high profit margin. And so it forced me to be strategic. I think when you have situations where maybe it's a part-timer you know, hustle that you're trying to get going while you're working corporate, you're going to have a longer path. You're going to, and like you talked about runway, that's okay. But I think it's just important that you have to be just as strategic if whether you're doing a like a part-time side hustle, quote unquote, or if it's like your full-time thing, you need to have that runway and you still have to take the strategic actions during it. But having the financial, and it's hard, you know, one of the things that I thought about while you were talking was if you're someone who's listening and you hadn't even hit your first 100K, obviously this podcast isn't really geared, but I'm glad that you're here listening. Just don't get so overwhelmed to think, oh my gosh, there's so many moving parts because there is. It's all these cogs in a wheel that we're talking about here and they all kind of work in tandem together, but just really sit down and work methodically through them. That is the most important thing um, that really, and that's what I do in the strategy stuff. I sit and go, okay, what's working, what's not. That's where I start. And then it kind of devolves into its own session. Yeah. I, um, I'll share with something, uh, uh, Rachel, that I think is going to surprise you um, and uh, the audience. So they, I've said it on one podcast before, but uh, it's going to illustrate a point, and I know it's going to be it's going to be really strange and how it's, I'm illustrating it. But so um, I was married for 26 years, and I my wife recently passed away unexpectedly in September, oh, so uh, only four and a half months ago. And um, I've done really, really well, and uh, uh, with I was very happily married, and she was my best friend, and we have a fantastic marriage, and I have two kids, and. Um, but I've done really, really well with the situation. And, um, and it sounds so crazy. I'm going to bring it back to the business is that I've had to, uh, over 25 years of building businesses have had to deal with so many, um, roadblocks, so many, uh, Bad situations, so many. Uh, I, you, what, what word am I looking for here, Rachel? What would you say? Grief, emotions. Um, yeah, loss. well, I don't mean for my wife, but I no, mean. No, I mean in general too, because I yeah. think like there's some elements of projects or businesses you pour into it. You have grief of something yeah. you thought you were going to have. Yeah. And so I, because I've been through so many situations of uh, the, the, the thing that I'm really good at is handling change. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so where, where, why I wanted to raise that to the audience is um, like you were talking about your cancer situation, which was, you know, it's, it's a blow, right? You're like, mm -hmm. whoa, but you know, you kind of come to terms with it and then you got to move, right? You don't have a choice. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. That's exactly the way I looked at it with my wife. I said, well, you know, am I going to sit there? I can't control the situation. Yeah. It happened already. So, um, so what I'm trying to say is at every single growth phase at every different parts of the company, um, you're going to get things thrown at you mm -hmm. and you got to be able to handle it, mm -hmm. you know? And if you can't handle it, if it's wrecking your life and wrecking your health, get out. Oh, it's for sure. not worth it. Mm -mm. It's not worth it. Now I happen to be a type A, very aggressive person. I, I love what I do. I know you probably do as well. I feel really lucky to be able to do what I do for, a, uh, I, I do, which is a, a dream, but I know owners who they, it wrecks their lives. They get divorced. They, they don't stay close to their kids. They, you know, for all these, they go into financial debt, mm -hmm. you know, it's not worth it. So you know, when people come to me like that, I think of one of two things, either one, they've gotten into business and realized it's not for them. They've given it a valiant effort, but they're afraid to quit, whether it's because they financially can't physically can't, or it's like the societal internal shame, failure pressure, right? The other side of it is, 
Um, well, I can't remember what the second one was now, but on that point with, I feel, uh, oh, when people come to me and they're in that, oh, the second one was, is then it's those that are working in and not on their business. And I know we keep saying that beating it with the dead horse because it is so important. I mean, you read any of the CEO books out there, this is what they talk about. But I think when I have a client that comes to me and they're in these burnout phases, one of the things that I try to always hone in on is this. Is this a short-term burnout, which you typically see around these different junctures like we talked about, or is this a whole burnout? They just physically can't do it. What is keeping them, right? And I try I try to work with clients and work through like, you know, capitalizing on strengths, outsourcing weaknesses, all the strategic things like we've talked about. But at the end of the day, some people are just not made out for business. And yeah. that is okay. And actually my executive assistant, my operations manager, she's like the jack of all trades in my business. She helped, she basically is the boss. <laughs> well, I show up to do stuff like this. She doesn't want to own a business. She wants ownership in a business, but she doesn't want to be the head and own it if that yeah. makes sense. And I feel like sometimes we need to give ourselves permission. And like to your point on change, you when you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice. Yeah. And I think for me, like we needed the money, had the cancer, he was deployed. Like I, we, we didn't have a choice. And I always say, you never know what you can do until it's sink or swim time. Like you literally, your choice is sink or swim. And for me, I made the choice very early on, but I also had the pre-idea my whole life that I didn't really fit into a cubicle farm, nine to five. I I didn't know if it was going to be owning a business, but I knew that I wasn't going to be in the mainstream type of way. So when I've gotten into burnout situations, I can tell myself, this is a short-term burnout. Let, like you're saying, type A, let's make the plan. Here's the changes. This is what we need to do. Same thing when projects fail, when businesses fail, you know, just very methodically work through. It doesn't mean to ignore the emotion that you have out of it. Um, they're very valid. They can drive your decisions, good or bad. Um, but yeah, I think it's just really looking at it and going, like you said, change is going to happen. You need to figure out and think about now, what are you going to do in the case of change, good or bad? Yeah. And I think, um, I think listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you say, I want to stay a business owner my whole life. I don't want to work for somebody else. And by the way, I just want to let you know, I have friends, very good friends, built very good businesses, went, sold them, whatever, went to work for somebody else and are very happy. Yeah. So don't think that, that that's not, uh, and nowadays there's a lot of great paying jobs out there. Really amazing. Um, and so you'd be shocked what you're going to pay and you don't have to worry about making payroll anymore. Yeah. So, you know, which is yeah. everybody's concern. Right. So, yeah. um, but you know, I think that, um, uh, Oh, geez, I forgot what I was going to say again. Damn. Well, I just think is you're not going to be able to avoid the change, right? Oh, that's what I was going to so, say. Yeah, You know, yeah, yeah. it's embracing the change, embracing well, the decision. If you determine that entrepreneurship, business ownership's not for you, make a plan. Make a plan to not be stuck in it. Well, I think that my point being is if you want to be an entrepreneur your whole life, mm. the number one thing that you need to do every single day is take care of yourself. Oh, for sure. You need to find time. To if you are if you like exercising, you gotta make that's the number one priority because mm -hmm. that'll stop the burnout. Okay. It's funny you say that because my team will sometimes go, "Did you not get your running today?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Why?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll reschedule every yeah. afternoon. Go yeah. run just because I work better. I've got more free flowing. I'm I'm probably a nicer boss." Yeah. <laughs> I've run in the morning. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the point being is that if, uh, too, I agree with you. I mean, I, um, I don't have to have my staff tell me that that's just something no, I, I, I do. Uh, um, I, you know, but you, if you want to do this, you, you got to be ready. You're going to, there's going to be burnout if, unless you get ahead of it. And, and so, you know, there are three things that you need to focus on your health, mm -hmm. your family and friends, and then your work. It's not work family and friends and health. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, because, and let's put it another way. If you are not healthy, you are no, no benefit to your family and you're certainly not going to be very good at your job. So, I mean, I think, you know, where does this fit into that growth discussion? Mm -hmm. If it's in the growth discussion, it's that you better be prepared mentally and physically for that 
jump to 3 million to 5 million to 10 million because it's going to be, and it's going to be over a long period of time. Yeah. Burnout is a big part of that. Being prepared, but also identifying if you're the piece of the puzzle that's holding it back. You know, I think oftentimes I hear on in the intake process of clients that I work with and they say, oh, just the consumers are not buying the consumer. This is always push on the consumer. It's Mark Zuckerberg and his ads and it's the change in tracking and all this. And I'm like, but is it like really like we have to get honest and having a team around you that can be very honest they're only going to be as honest as far as their paycheck goes. But uh, I mean, let's be real. But then I think that's going back to your point earlier, being surrounded by like-minded individuals. That would be another huge tip that I would give. If you're at any of these junctures, especially if you're at the one to five million mark and you're trying to get to 10, that is when you really need to be surrounded by individuals who have done and gotten to that revenue level, who have the same type of mentality as you. And it's, it's a think tank, but it's also having um, examples, direct examples around you. I mean, you can listen to Steven and me and anybody else on podcasts, but there's something to be said for having that community very directly, intimately around you that will really help raise you up. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I accelerated so well. Um, you know, there's a term that I had learned a long time ago called autodidactic and entrepreneurs are autodidactic, which means self-taught. And the, the quicker you can accelerate that process, the quicker you're going to make better decisions and, and, but that was something I was going to say a little bit ago when you were talking about, you know, in, in taking care of self, taking care of family and all of that. Every day that you're not doing that is lost opportunity. It's lost money. It's lost revenue, lost traction. That big boulder we're talking about is only going an inch, not a foot, you know? And it, it, it's funny is I also travel and do like keynote speaking. I just did one recently for a realtor organization. And I talked about these big burnout moments in my um, entrepreneurship path where I had my head down and I I was just trying to move the boulder and I wasn't being effective and kind of the lessons I learned out of that. I share that now to say I'm this far along and I still have to keep myself in check just because we're at this level and telling you all this on the podcast doesn't mean that we have it all figured out. We still have to make sure and commit like my calendar has. I run it this time. I have this this time. In fact, we sit down as a family. I sit down with my team um, as a whole, then individually to ask them, like, what are things that you want personally this year? You know, are you wanting to commit to doing an Ironman? Are you wanting to do, you know, travel? Do you have a home improvement? I want to know to connect with my team a little bit better, but so that I can put all of those into the calendar, into my emotional space to be able to help fulfill those goals for them. And just as a whole, I, that was, that was another key one. Once I really started to learn to be a leader and being in tune with my team versus SOPs and delegation and very rigid and just get it done, that was another piece that helped with trajectory growth of revenue in the business. Yeah. I mean, kind of one of the last things I, wanna, I wanted to add to that, what you're saying, um, we're starting to run out of time, uh, which has been a great conversation, really, um, it is um, the reason why I picked a $10, $10 million mark for the podcast was because at 10 million is when other companies are interested in buying you. Yeah. That's now it depends on the industry. Okay. Yeah, sure. But you know, the idea is whenever, you know, like when Rachel and I go to talk to other business owners that have built businesses and someone says to you these magic words, uh, I'll say this to you, Ra Rachel, and you tell me what you say to them. I'd say, Oh, I just sold my business. What do you say? For how much? <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay, you're more bold than I am. But what would be the next thing you would say? You would say, I don't know. What are you going to do now? No, you're. A oh, I'm feeling That's a coach. Depressed. You're a coach. That's what I you're know. doing. No, I'd say congratulations. Oh, I mean, yeah, but I. Congratulations really because you you're taking the money off the table. You're putting it back in your pocket yeah. because we all know if you run a business long enough. You know, it, the chances of it potentially failing is good. Yeah. You know, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if it gets higher, but, um, but you know, if someone can, comes and buys it, that's the payday. That's the payday. Now, believe me, that's a different problem from what I understand. I don't have this problem, but when you sell a company, it's like, what do you do next? I don't, I don't particularly have that problem, but, <laughs> um, but uh, I know that's what I hear from other coaches is that they're the clients that they work with that sold their business. That is their worst time in their lives. They're like, Oh, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, but um, 
Well, I okay. work with people that are very similar to you and me. Like they, they're building multiple businesses in different industries or, you know, so they have something else to move to. And so uh, it's not just a, oh my gosh, I got an offer. I'm going to sell it. Look at this profit I can make. We talk holistically about what is your, what is your life circumstance? You know, a little touchy feely, but it's true. Like it's, it's life. And what are you going to do next? I like how you totally called me out on whole, you wouldn't say congrats. I mean, that just shows you I'm very straight to the point. That's something I'm working on as a leader in my business of this being complimentary. So. Oh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I, it wasn't meant that way, believe me. I but know, but I yeah, know. I think it actually came from what you do a little bit because I know you do coaches, coaching mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I, I get, you know, you, you're, you're moving on, you're moving yeah. on. You're not in the moment, you're moving on, you know, yeah. I get it. Listen, it's a very, very interesting conversation. I, you know, I deal with a lot of coaches, uh, you know, on the podcast, you know, your stuff and uh, you know, your experience. If anybody's looking for a coach um, and it's the right fit uh, for both of you, um, based on what I'm hearing right now, I think Rachel would be fantastic. By the way, I had a coach for 10 years (laughs) and, um, and she was great. Um, um, And I think in fact, she was probably also the one, but she didn't have to teach me a lot. She just, she had a different role, which was I didn't have a part business partner. I needed support, mm. you know, mental support. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I don't want to belabor the point here, but I think that is so important is that when you're looking for like a coach or consultant, because I think everyone needs someone, whether you get into an organization or you have someone that's going to come in, whether it's for accountability, if it's for support, just yes. ideas off of, to learn from, they all have their own place at different times in your journey. And so that's another one of those of working on and not in recognizing when you need that, making the right choices, making, you know, so you make the sound investment on that. Um, yeah, I'm very to the point because I want people to get in, get out, do, you know, so they can live their life and do the things. Cause to me, that was one of the reasons I got into business. Yeah. I want to serve others, help others. I love the satisfaction, all of that, but I love living life more. Um, you know, I absolutely love business, but I love my family and the things I get to do because of my business. And so that's kind of my whole perspective. So if you guys need help, more than happy, but just be prepared for no congratulations, straight to the tough question. Yeah, well, listen, uh, <laughs> what I always say that if a coach is doing his or her job right, um, they're going to by far make you more money than what it costs them. Oh, for right? sure. And you're going to be a little more sane. So I, I think that's a big part. I'd like to thank so very, that's all the time we have today. I would like to thank so very much, uh, Rachel Branke uh, for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Uh, uh, Rachel, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, rachelbrinke.com. I'm the only Rachel Brinky in the interweb. So just feel free to reach out and we'd be happy to help you, whether it's with us. We'll be honest if we're not a good fit, but we'll try to help you find someone or a resource to help you in your journey. Yeah, and that's spelled B-R-E-N-K-E, Rachel Brinke. Um, Rachel, it was a great podcast. It was good having you here today. Awesome. Thanks. Have a good one. And for our listeners who are out there, um, if you're interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet almost daily about lessons for business owners at S. Halasnik. That's my name, S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. I want to thank all of you for listening. It's a, it's a new year. I always love the new year. I used, used to love the new year. <laughs> um, but it always gives you a chance to uh, start over if you had a bad year. And, and be thankful if you had a good year. And so um, it's a new year and you can make new resolutions and new goals. And, uh, and that's the fun part about being in business uh, is just really kind of the journey. So everybody have a fantastic day. It's a really good speaking to Rachel today. She's an outstanding uh, guest for me. Everybody have a good day.